your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 247 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood and chalk one up in the loss column. Yes, the Ottawa Senators fall 3-2 to the Edmonton Oilers and are now 2-11-1 on this condensed NHL season. Thank God for the word condensed, but we did have a lot more fun watching that game last night. An Ottawa team that outshot Edmonton by double and got on the board in the first minute. They played with the lead. They did my key to victory, but it was all for naught. We'll break down exactly how that game went. A goalie performance that is going to really challenge us as a goalie-friendly show. And we'll also get into some standout performances and questionable coaching decisions. Austin Watson playing on a line with Josh Norris and Tim Stutzla. Drake Batherson, almost a healthy scratch, huh? All that and the Belleville Senators have a schedule. Well, kind of. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, February 10th, and Pilsy, was that you in net for the Ottawa Senators last night? Yeah, I came in for Marcus Hogberg when he was struggling, and uh, I decided, you know what, I'm going to shut the door and keep the Sens in the game here. Oh my goodness, Marcus Hogberg. And I was looking at his hockey reference page. Not all his fault, especially last year. We're very clear. He had that 924 save percentage in January, but couldn't buy a win. This guy now has 29 NHL starts under his belt, 34 games if you include his relief appearances, yet he is stuck at five wins. He's 0 for 5 this season, five losses, that is. How? Do we get him on track or are we learning about what Marcus Hogberg really is at the NHL level? I don't think last night was a true kind of image of what Marcus Hogberg is at the NHL level. I think last season is the true Marcus Hogberg we can expect to see at the NHL level. Now, look, I'm going to try to stick up for my guy Marcus Hogberg here, but last night, straight up, that loss was on him because that was the most complete hockey game the Ottawa Senators have played all season long they deserve to win that game the first goal against Darnell Nurse that's unacceptable at any level of hockey I mean you could scroll all the way down to peewee hockey and a goalie should be making that save with clear sight lines a puck on the ice all you got to do is get your stick down get in position he doesn't that's a tough one the second goal Sure, there's a lot of bodies in front, but that's that's still one you got to at least be in position for. And there's four bodies in front of Marcus Hogberg, but he looks left when the puck goes right. So he opens up the entire net. Better than sliding left when the puck went right on Tyson Berry's goal. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to get to the next one. Like, he's just completely out of position. And I think if you look at the tight replay of that goal, there's a moment where Hogberg gets thrown off and Tyson Berry has the puck on his stick and then he goes to deke a little bit left and the puck bobbles and then it takes an extra second for it to settle down and then Berry shoots. So I think Hogberg commits 
once the puck is bobbling and then by the time it's settled he's already slid right out of the crease and that's an easy goal and it's so tough when you're the Ottawa Senators players and you've done everything right everything the coaches are telling you in practice you've executed everything that you've worked on to uh, control the puck and create offense you've worked on and you did that and they like you said they got a goal in the first minute they're playing with the lead finally and then it's a demoralizing goal like that that ruins you this is I feel for goalie friendly show this is one uh time where i'm feeling bad for the players because they deserve that win and marcus hogberg let them down now the good news and it's the relief appearance from matt murray he gave them an instant sense of calm after tyson berry he scored with three minutes into the second period and that was all she wrote for marcus hogberg you know it's bad on the goalie when the camera on tsn goes directly to the coach after a goal you're like Okay, he's looking down the bench and Matt Murray, he came in and, hey, stick taps as well. Assist alert for the attendee, Matt Murray with the secondary helper. And we'll get to Mike Riley, a very solid bounce back game. Again, playing less than 20 minutes where he should. But Mike Riley, among many, looked solid on this Ottawa team. Like you said, the most complete game that the Senators have played all year. But the last thought on Marcus Hogberg, What's next for him? Is he going to get an opportunity here in the next while? Or would you not be surprised if Joey Decord or Philip Gustafson supplant him as at least the backup for a game? Let Hogberg go up and watch a game or two from upstairs. Well, I'm quite confident it's not going to be Philip Gustafson. So I'll I'll kind of scratch that one off the options right away. I don't think we're going to see Gustafson in NHL action at all this season. I would be pretty surprised if that happened. Now, I don't think we should panic so much with Hogberg yet. Sure, it's been a shaky start, but Matt Murray had a shaky start as well. And now look at him, right? Again, I'm gonna, I know I've said this a bunch of times, but you gotta assume the first 10 games are sort of like a preseason setting, and guys are getting their their uh feet on the ice, they're getting used to playing again. So I think Marcus Hogberg is still there's still some leash left on his rope here. I don't think DJ's gonna cut him completely here. Now, with Joey Decord getting a possible start, that's something I could see happening. And I was thinking yesterday, I kind of thought that uh, they were just getting Decord kind of in Belleville to get ready and have Gustafson be in the taxi squad to play in Belleville. But I actually, I did some thinking and yeah, I do think they're going to have Decord playing games in Belleville. They're going to get him uh, getting hot and fresh because Gustafson has played games recently, right? He was over in Europe for a while. Whereas Joey Decord, holy moly, this guy hasn't played a competitive game in a long time. So he deserves to get some game action, get Belleville off to a hot start. And then I think we're going to see the switch happen again maybe Joey gets two three games in Belleville then he's going to come back up to the NHL and maybe we see him hop in a game for Marcus Hogberg if Hogberg's next start doesn't go well yeah we'll get into more of the Belleville schedule I can tell you it's a four game set already on the schedule starting this Friday so not much time to waste before Belleville gets their season started but we'll touch more on that and our sense central standouts Pilsy, we have to talk first about the strange coaching decisions, and we've seen a lot of positives. Let's start with that. Having Artem Zub not only play, but go from 12, 13 minutes to now he's consistently at 17, 18 in his last three games to what else? Uh, we're seeing Josh Norris still getting an extended opportunity, although another kind of invisible performance from him last night. Coach decided that it was Drake Batherson who should be going down. This guy is one of the only 
players who's creating offense shift in and shift out. He's hard on the forecheck. He's playing a DJ Smith style game. That's why I was so shocked to hear Bruce Garriott in his intermission report say that they toyed with the situation of scratching Batherson. Now, for me, Josh Norris would be a scratch before Batherson. Hell, even Timmy Superstar, I think, hasn't had the same impact that Drake has had this year. Was that as surprising to you as it was for me that Batherson's not seen as in a positive light right now of his play? It was a little surprising, not going to lie, especially because similar to what we talked about yesterday, Batherson is a guy where, although maybe he's not lighting it up on the score sheet, which I mean, you could almost argue he is. He's one of the top point producers for the, the lowly Ottawa Senators, but he doesn't have to be all offensive generating because his two-way play is so effective. He's still, like you said, uh, forechecking, backchecking hard. I feel like he's still playing physical. He's still setting up offense. He's still helping the breakout. He's still entering the zone with the puck all these kinds of good little things he's still doing well now I think if you're gonna scratch one of the guys like you mentioned Batherson Norris Stutzla I don't think you're really doing it because they're just god-awful or anything like that it's more as a as a constructive criticism learning lesson right so I think scratching either one of those guys maybe all the fans are up in arms and they're going to get their pitchforks and uh torches and head down to the ctc because the veterans are getting too much time etc etc but these guys like this is a big jump for them all of these guys maybe batherson probably should be the most used to this transition to the nhl but for norris and stutzla this is a big deal and for it's not going to be easy for them just to night in and night out play amazing games so i think maybe getting one of these guys out for a game could benefit them but then you're looking at the replacements and who are we tossing in here we're looking at anisimov <laughs> paquette uh, guys that you're not Michael Haley, guys that you're not really too keen on getting in the lineup to help you get wins. So that's where it's tough for DJ Smith. He's got to balance trying to have a winning hockey team, not looking so great so far, unfortunately, DJ, and trying to get these young guys to develop. So it's a difficult balance he's got to work on here. Yeah, and uh, Derek Stepan would obviously be the number one choice to come out of lineup. Another one-win performance in the face-off circle for him going 17%. And uh, you just wonder why he's still in a situation that he's just not a fourth line center. He just can't play that role, but yet he still almost saw a minute on the power play. So that's more so where I have a little bit of beef. I thought that having Norris play with Stutzla and Watson, no surprise. They were on the ice for a bunch of goals against minus three nights for Norris and Stutzla and a minus two performance from Austin Watson, still banging bodies like has four hits. He knows his role, but that role doesn't fit with skill players. You want another energizer type player like, how about Alex Formanton, a guy who I think would work perfectly with Austin Watson. A little more skill, of course, than, than the Iceman, but Formanton can play that run, go up and down the ice, and just hit absolutely everything. So I think just structurally, there has to be some changes here, especially in the bottom six. And how long will it take for DJ Smith to realize? Who knows? But there are positives, and let's focus on a couple of them right after we tell you about Rock Auto. It's a family business that serves auto parts to customers, and they've been doing it for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. They put it all in one place to make it easy for you. And they have everything. Engine control modules, yep. Brake parts, of course. Tail lamps, oh yeah. Motor oil, even new carpet. And whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. That's good news if you need an engine control module. Hey, 
You don't want to be going out to get that, carrying it home on the TTC. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. All we ask is that you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they know that we sent you reliable selection. The lowest price is it's rockauto.com. All right, Pilsy. I was a little negative there about DJ Smith's lineup changes, but there were some bright spots. Most notably, Connor Brown finishing an opportunity. It was a nice little deflection for him to get on the scoreboard. Who were your Send Central standouts from last night's 3-2 loss? Well, for me, there's one clear Send Central standout, and that is my guy, Evgeny Dadanov. This Guys, this is the Evgeny Dadanov we paid for. This is the guy we signed to a three-year, $15 million deal. How about six shots on net? He gets a breakaway and buries it. And it's funny because Evgeny Dadanov's first two goals were essentially breakaway goals. But the first one, he trips and falls and guides the puck into the net before crashing into the boards. Second one, Larson roofs it top shelf on his own goalie for Dadnoff. And now finally he gets a true talented elite sniper breakaway goal. Mind you, Koskinen got a piece of it, but not all of it. And this play doesn't happen without the gorgeous pass by Mike Riley. And this is what we've been talking about, Ross. We do like Mike Riley as a player, but you need to understand what his limits are and where he can be used effectively and where he's being used ineffectively. And if you have him as a middle D pair, even bottom D pair would be better. That just focuses on moving the puck and being the yin to a shutdown defenseman's yang. Then he can be an effective guy and a big part of this team. So hopefully we continue to see Mike Riley in that light. And like you said earlier, always great to see attendee get an assist on a play too. Yeah, well, I won't remind you who your locked-on player was. Well, yeah, I will, Marcus Hogberg. So that one didn't work out for you. But you did make a good point about Evgeny Dadnov. Made no mistake on that breakaway. I thought he was kind of slippery all game. And I say that as a compliment, kind of sliding off checks and making himself available, whether it was just a breakout pass and a one-touch through the neutral zone or in extended offensive opportunities. So yeah. great call. Evgeny he had some more Dadanov. energy, eh? Like you could tell he had yeah. some pep in his step. And every time he touched the puck, he was a little faster. He was finishing hits a little cleaner. I think as weird as it sounds, knocking his own teeth out uh, the other night when he missed that hit was probably the best thing for him because <laughs> I I don't know, that seemed to wake him up. Like he really Knocked has... Yeah, it knocked some, lose some chiclets, gain some sense. So there we go. Maybe uh, the dentist is going to have some busy nights with some Ottawa Senators trying to turn their careers around here. Yeah, I want to give Brady Kachuk a little stick tap for uh, for hitting the over on his shots on goal at betonline.ag. Cashed a nice one, over three and a half. He finishes with four. He had that that two opportunity situation at the in the third period where he banged away and Darnell Nurse gave him a little shot there, but all in all, it was a, a solid performance, but I'm going with the other half of the franchise, Thomas Shabbat. Maybe a tougher first 20 minutes for him, but he was all over the ice playing 27-34. That is, uh, without looking, I'm going to say 
the most ice time he's had in a single game this year, if not close. He had and, 28 uh, a couple games ago, but close, yeah. Yeah, he, he's been more so around 24, 25 this season. So you know that needing a goal in the third period and through the entire second half of the game, he was going to play even more. And he had seven shots on goal, which is impressive in itself, a takeaway there as well. And of course, when he's playing that many minutes, he's going up against Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Dreisaitl? No points, minus one. Connor McDavid, no points, minus one. And both those guys were hoping to extend their point streaks. They were at 10 games each. Well, they both had an opportunity. How about Dreisaitl hitting the post on the empty net? That was incredible. And as soon as, when Dreisaitl hit the post, like when an MVP hits the post on an empty net to keep a point streak going, you know it's not going to go the other way. And then McDavid gets a turnover and he uh, takes a shot on an empty net. And who's there but your boy Shabbat playing third string goalie with the save. Yeah, he had as many saves as Marcus Hogberg unofficially (laughs) in that game. But you almost saw too, like, That was a loud post, eh? Like, he hit that thing square. And then McDavid was going to get an assist on that, so he knew he would have been safe. McDavid went into fast-forward mode right after that because don't think he's not in the back of his head saying, I want to continue this streak. He knows. So, shout-out Thomas Shabbat not allowing that streak to continue. He is a Send Central standout. A couple honorable mentions. Artem Zoop. Are we just, like, this is a Tim Stutzla podcast. Like, we owe him royalties. For how much we talk about him. Artem Zub is climbing that list extremely quickly. We talk about this guy every single game, Pilsy. There is not much to dislike in his game. I, I'm a big fan of Artem Zub. And it Did seems- you hear Gord Miller last night drop the Olympic gold medalist reference? I yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You gotta represent. Gold doesn't shine. Uh, doesn't shine in the dark. He's out here shining. And man, Zub, like you're almost scratching your head, thinking, why didn't they have this guy playing earlier? He's steady. He's good offensively. He's good defensively. He's good. Like his Corsi numbers are great. Speaking of course, second in the league. Yeah, second in the among league. defensemen and with six games. Speaking of Corsi, I know we don't usually get too deep into it on this show, but. Look at these numbers that from natural statric from last night's game. It just goes to show that the eye test and the analytics said the Sens should have won this game. Their Corsi for five on five was at 64.5%. Their Corsi in all situations at 63.9%. So that's solid. The scoring chances 34 scoring chances for the Sens, 12 high danger scoring chances. Like that is like. I don't think we can really look at this roster and say these guys can't get it done because they got it done last night. And like you said, shutting down McDavid and Dreisaitl, the two top point getters in the league, and only holding, like the only people that scored were defensemen off goals that should have been saved. That's an incredible performance by these Ottawa Senators. Why does every goalie that plays against Ottawa look like Dominic Hasek in the mid-90s? Well, I don't know. It's it's tough. <laughs> I mean, Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith should not be looking this good against the Ottawa Senators. And that's the frustrating part is like... Even this- Laurent Boissois looked like he was Patrick Waugh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I hate to be a downer. Stuart Skinner didn't look so good, but uh, my guy Troy Grosnick would have looked better. Holpe's let in like 25 goals in his other four games. He plays Ottawa and he lets in one. Yeah. Like- 
it's tough uh, but hey this is this is the thing like we're getting better because dadnov is finishing now i think that's that's a huge monkey off his back getting a good game like that connor brown got the monkey off his back getting a goal there i think you're gonna see a lot better performances from guys here and now like we talked about earlier there was times where the Sens would play a good period and get no rewards no cookies at the end for hard work they're getting their cookies now they just need to keep sticking to this plan and i think they can see the light at the end of the tunnel if they get some solid goaltending which they will for matt murray matt murray has been outstanding recently so they the chances to get wins are coming up they're it's just about grabbing them and taking full advantage which they just can't quite do yet all right let's finish our point on artem zub brochensky uh send central citizen make sure you follow him great account there as well he points out that among defensemen who have played six or more games which really conveniently has Artem Zub at six games so a little bit less although other guys on this list are at seven eight nine games as well Corsi four so shots at five on five when they're on the ice the percentage of them he's in second and it's not only that sure you can you can nitpick stats that make you look good look at the company he's surrounded with Kale McCarr is first Jacob Slavin is third Severson in New Jersey is fourth Bowen Byram, Brett Pesci, and Charlie McAvoy. I'd say that's pretty solid company to be in if you're Artem Zub. So fantastic performance. He even then puts his second one up. He did a little Photoshop and put Artem Zub's face on the rookie of the year um, situation. I don't know whose photo it was, 2018, maybe Pedersen. Uh, whoever it was, was uh, a great Photoshop there. So stick taps to Brochensky as well. And I guess for you, why don't you touch on one last Send Central standout, Matt Murray. Just another word on how well he did in an unfortunate entrance into the game. Yeah, incredible performance by Matt Murray. And this is the kind of thing that uh, I'm actually glad we got to see Matt Murray in this situation too, because that's a tough situation to come in. You've been hot for the last three games, uh, Matt Murray. And then you got to come in and replace a poor performance from Hogberg midway through the game. And you you shut the door. And kudos to the Sens too. They didn't just deflate like we've seen them deflate when these momentum killer goals happen. They didn't allow a shot on Matt Murray, I think, for the first 10 or it might have even been 12 minutes without allowing a shot. And that's tough for a goalie too. Murray already cold coming into this game. Another 10 minutes of being cold. And then he still is able to stop all seven shots that come at him. So I think from what we're seeing about Matt Murray, he's starting to really turn things around. And I'm excited for what we're going to get from him because this is a guy that, like we hoped, can steal you games for this young Ottawa Senators squad. So big kudos to Matt Murray. Since being pulled against Edmonton, uh, what, a week ago on January 31st, Matt Murray's played four games. Yes, he only has one win, but he stopped 107 of 113 shots. That's good for a 947 save percentage. If he can continue that stretch, it's not going to be long before the Ottawa Senators get more wins. But as the Senators are clawing and grasping to any sort of victory at this point, the Belleville Senators primed for a Calder Cup unfinished business. We'll see what happens with the entire season, but we can tell you there is a schedule. And not only are we the number one home for daily Ottawa Senators content, we are locked on Belleville. If you're a new listener, you might not realize that Pilsy and I worked the last two years for the Belleville Senators, all their home games doing production. Pilsy was the replay guy. I was on camera too. We retweeted. I, I went into the archives, Pilsy, the other day on uh, a clip you took in the replay where 
uh, Philip Schlappick squirting his water bottle up and Batherson is like under it, trying to have it like a fountain. Some fun moments there from our time in Belleville. Just guys which, being dudes. Of course, it was cut short, unfortunately, due to the pandemic. But there is a schedule and we're going to get into that and all the lines, how things are going to shake out right after we tell you about our friends at Bet Online. It's the one online home for sports wagering that we have covered and that we trust. It's betonline.ag. You can sign up as well for a free account at betonline.ag. And the beauty is when you do that and put in the promo code locked on for your first deposit, we're going to give you a 50% welcome bonus just like that. And you might wonder, what am I going to do with this welcome bonus? Because it's free play. What that means is you can use it for certain things, for the spread or for the over-under. And Pillsy's all over it because he's got his parlay of the day. We're, we're working in progress. It's never going to be perfect. But if you can hit even close to 50, even 40% of your parlays, you're going to have a net gain at the end of the day. And maybe if you listen to Pillsy, give his extra take on the Super Bowl, you would be having so much profit. You might not even know what to do with it. You might want to even just burn some because you, you don't feel comfortable having so much. So that's why you listen to Pillsy's parlay of the day. There's no guarantees in life other than that Pillsy will have a parlay for the day at betonline.ag. And we're fired up for today's. What do we got here, Pills? Well, another short night of scheduling in the NHL, just two games tonight. So. I'm going back to my tried and true formula that uh, we're going to pick some favorites here. Actually, one of them not a favorite, just slightly, but we're going to pick Boston Bruins money line up against the New York Rangers. The Bruins have been buzzing ever since Pasternak came back. What what a uh, ignition into that offense! Like he is just on fire. So Bruins money line at minus one sixty, and then. Leafs and Habs. This one's kind of a toss-up here. The battle for the top of the North Division. I'm going with Leafs money line here. They've been hot lately. Matthews has been heating it up, although I think that injury to Simmons is going to affect them because that's a lot of grit out of their lineup, and I think he was a big boost to their team. But I think they could beat the Canadians here. It's minus 103. The Habs are minus 107, so a close one here. We're going to take Bruins money line, Leafs money line, put 10 bucks in. To win 2203, Bath Pillsy's parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and don't forget the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Pillsy, we have been all over the Belleville Senators for the past three years specifically, but on Sense Central, daily home. For Sens content, make sure you follow us there on Twitter at LockedOn underscore Senators on Instagram. And of course, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And we really appreciate We have noticed the reviews. And maybe we'll even start reading. Just tap ourselves on the back even more. We'll read them on here. No, we won't. But we do appreciate if you go write that. And we had some fun with the projected lineup. But we should tell you when the Belleville Senators will play. And funny enough. It's a continuation of last season. Revenge because the Laval Rocket beat the Belleville Senators 3-0 in the final game before COVID changed everything. But now is a chance at redemption. Four games on the schedule, Pillsy. Friday, 7 p.m. Saturday. This is awesome. Saturday is a 1 o'clock start. And then the Ottawa Senators play at 3. So that's an afternoon full of Sens hockey, if I've ever heard of one. Then Tuesday, 7 p.m., and then Friday. So four games within the next week 
and a day. That is a way to kick off the Belleville Send season. What are your expectations for them, assuming that they can piece together a full Canadian division eventually? I don't see any reason why the Belleville Senators shouldn't be gunning for that number one spot in this division, right? Like they, like you said, last year, unfinished business, and they got a lot of returning customers, although they did lose a lot of uh, help on that back end. I would say the back end, I'm still very nervous about. On the offensive side, I think there's some newcomers that are going to spark some uh, some life into this group and I think are going to perform, but defensively, I mean, I guess same old, same old Belleville Senators here. So they're, they've lost on the back end, not only Eric Brandstrom, the franchise, but also Christian Willannon, Max Lajoie, which, I mean, you understood that they were aging out from that prospect realm and wanted an opportunity somewhere else. So you have to respect them for that. But in terms of what that leaves in Belleville, still okay. And Cody Golubeff coming back on that uh, PTO or, or AHL contract, I should say, is helpful. But you're right, the back end, not as strong as it has been in the past. But that is without knowing the impact that Ole Alsing and Lassie Thompson, two players who come here as 21 and 22-year-olds who have played against men in the past in the Swedish Hockey League and the Liga for Lassie. So I think that they are huge question marks on the back end, but could improve the defense versus like Alsing and Thompson or Lejoie and Yarosh. Like, Right now, you know more about the latter, but hey, I could see these two stepping in here and playing really well. So let's start from the net out. As a, as a goalie-friendly show, let's talk about the, the tandem right now. And with Philip Gustafson being called up to the taxi squad, it leaves two, pl- two goalies who have been on this show as a goalie-friendly show. Joey Decord, a friend of the show, and we had Kevin Mandelise on right after he won Quebec League Goalie of the Year. So what should expectations be, Pilsy, between the pipes in Belleville? Well, it's going to be interesting because, yeah, like we talked about earlier, the the swap between Decord and Gustafson is an interesting move, and we're going to see how that plays out. But I really do think Gustafson's going to be back down in the AHL. So we're going to see Gustafson get a majority of the starts. I want to see Mandelise get in for a couple of games. Let's see what this kid's got coming out of Cape Breton. He was, I mean, the Q goalie of the year. So give this guy a shot here for sure. I'm excited. And... As far as the goaltending goes, I think we're going to see a healthy mix. I don't think we're going to see Gustafson start a a massive majority of the game because we saw a couple seasons ago when Marcus Hogberg was injured and Philip Gustafson started almost every game, that did not turn out well. He could not handle the load and it was difficult for him. So, And you've got a guy in Mandelise that's eager and ready to, to take on this challenge. So I think that's fine. And all three of these goalies, I think, can perform well in the AHL. Yeah, interesting always to remember that Joey Decord and Philip Gustafson played the exact same number of games last year for Belleville. So we'll see if there's a number same one record starter. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although save percentage uh, definitely Little different numbers in Dak's favor, I believe was Gustafson at 900. I don't think so. I think he was uh, high 800s. It was it was tough for him, but he was he was a part of a lot of those run and gun games, like the six five games against the Moose and the Marlies. Like I feel like Gustafson was usually the guy in there. Yeah, hundred percent. That, that's a, a good point. There were lots of run and guns. Gustafson with an eight eighty nine save percentage last year in Belleville, but still a fifteen six and three record. So you're right. Even though he did have games where he let in a lot of goals, the offense bailed him out. Meanwhile, Joey Decord in those same 24 games, a 9.15 save percentage instead. So lot. And when you look at Marcus Hogberg, an 8.97 in the 15 games before he got called up. So not necessarily 
got called up due to deserving it as much as it was injury situations with Craig Anderson and with Anders Nielsen, who we hope is still doing well. Like that's just a tough story in itself with Anders Nielsen, but with the goaltending, I think that's a strength of this team. Decord, 24 years old, Mandalise now as a 21 year old. So they're both ready to turn pro and, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they have. Now, the decor in front of them, we already mentioned Alsing and Thompson in our projected lineups. I put them together. Although, now that I think about it, I would maybe split them up into one vet and one youth on the same line. And we saw Hubert Labrie played outstanding last year in Belleville. He even got himself a one-way NHL contract at the end of the year for his service in Belleville. He was like a plus 25. He was playing the, the hardest minutes. When we had David Foot on, the color analyst for the Belleville Senators, who we're sure to have on maybe even in the next week, he uh, he was quick to point out that Hubert Labrie was one of the standout players on the, on the team in that entire year. So maybe I start Lassie Thompson with Hubert Labrie, and that leaves Ole Alsing with Cody Golubeth. And that's kind of your top four. Jonathan Aspero had a nice start to his AHL career. And then you go with, uh, I mean, Doherty, he just brings physicality. He's just a beast out there. And you need that more so, I would say, in the AHL than any other league. But what does Troy Mann do? He goes out and gets a player he's extremely familiar with for a one-way AHL contract to replace some of the outgoing players. And that's Colby Williams, a player who played with him in Hershey. How do you feel this decor lines up? I like your idea of splitting up Alsi and Thompson. I think that'll help the yin and yang, and it'll help spread out the offense a little more. So I think that's okay. We I should think, mention that those guys are both offensive-minded defensemen. You'd exactly. say for Alsi and Thompson. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we'll get the we'll get our yin and yang there, and then as how do I feel about this decor? I'm a little nervous because there's you're expecting a lot from Alsing and Thompson. And yes, like you said, they've played in pro leagues against men. So that is a big boost to them, especially Alsing has a lot of Swedish experience and has looked good out there. But the problem is, and we saw it last year, trickle in one or two injuries at unfortunate oh, times man. and the whole thing crumbles. So that's what I'm going to be watching for because yeah, like you said, there were some guys that are out aging that decor in Yarosh and Lajoie, but they didn't bring anyone back to, to replace them essentially. Like all the guys they acquired were, were forwards. So well, I think Jordan Murray's one more stolen stick <laughs> away from getting right back in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. We joked about that last time. Hey, I would love to have Jordan Murray back. He's a great uh, player in Belleville, but I am nervous about this decor, but with the goalies we got in the crease and the offensive abilities, I think we can hang with some run and gun games if that happens again this season. 16 different defensemen played at least a game for the Belleville Senators last year. 16. And that's including Andreas Englund. What is a Belleville Senators team without Andreas Englund? Yeah, I don't know who they're going to give a uh, hardest working player to this year. <laughs> I don't That's going to be tough. He had zero points in 22 games, Andreas Englund, last year for Belleville. Uh, Hubert Labrie was plus 24, nine assists in 50 games. And you look up and maybe I undersold Jack Doherty a little bit. Jack Doherty had the same amount of points, albeit in 20 more games, as Christian Yarosh. And he was a plus 10 as well. So Jack Doherty does bring some sort of, you know, attributes into this lineup. And as we move to the forwards, I'd like to say thoughts and prayers to you, Pilsy. Darren Archibald, not on the team. They did not go out and bring back your boy, although I did see benefit in doing so. I don't know where he's playing right now, but he was a beast with Belleville. However, the forwards, still the crown jewel of this 
team. Now, at Sen Central, the way I put it, and I forgot Matthew Pekka, he got sent down in that roster move the other day. So maybe that bumps things around here. But the way I have it is, you want Logan Shaw on that top line. Like, 27 goals his last year playing in the AHL. Like, he is a top-line AHLer. I know people want to see the youth play in top six roles, but you have to spread it out a little bit. I have him with Philip Schlappig at center and Alex Formanton. Then the second line, I think this one's really interesting because I would like to see Ridley Gregg play center. I think ultimately he can develop into that, as he said, we'd like to be a Nazem Kadri type player. I have him with Igor Sokolov, the shooter, and Vitaly Abramov, the passer. So let's focus on that top six as it stands, Pilsy, and then we'll get into the depth pieces. I think the only difference I would have, and I love your confidence on Ridley, Greg, but I'm not ready to put him in a top six role in the AHL just yet. So the only difference that I'm going to have there is I'm going to swap Bodan and uh, Ridley, Greg. Okay, that's fair. And what what should expectations be for Ridley Gray? Because we, we joke that he's the most forgotten first-round pick of all time. But if you look at the AHL, and the AHL got started last week. It's just the Canadian division that's waiting. It's littered with these young players atop the scoring leaders who wouldn't even be allowed to play in the league if it weren't for the WHL. Like, you look at Peyton Krebs with the Henderson Silver Knights. Like, he's got four points in his first two games. Like, what are realistic expectations for Ridley Gregg? And we have to take into account, this is a guy who had COVID, has been quarantining off and on for like three months. What should realistic, what can you expect from him? My expectations are going to be pretty low, to be honest. And especially offensively, I'm not going to be looking for this guy to light up the score sheet. I'm going to be looking for him to do uh, things well away from the puck. Like when, when you're in junior and you're, a first round draft pick, it's pretty easy to create offense because you're just head and shoulders above these guys talent wise. Right. So that's going to be easy for him to do in junior, but in the AHL, it's going to be tough to do big time. I, I have a bit of a rhetorical question, but maybe it has some sort of insight is who is your preseason MVP on this team? Like who, who should we expect to lead the way offensively? I'm going to go with Alex Formanton. Uh, I think you saw what he could do last year. He put up massive goals. He's a clutch guy. He gets game-winning goals. He kills penalties. He gets shorthanded goals. He's going to be relied upon this year more than ever with Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, Nick Paul, Logan Brown not going to be around, Rudolph Balsers. I mean, geez, that's that's a lot of talent uh, gone off this Belleville team. But Jordan I think- Suarez. Yeah, Jordan Suarez, who many people might downplay, but he was an excellent captain. He brought a lot of leadership uh, when Fifth he was on, on the, the team ice. In points. Yeah, that third line when he was on the ice was incredible. So I really so liked that was him. with that was with Formanton and Carcone as the uh, the so called third line. You could you could say. Yeah, exactly. So I'm looking at Formanton. That's kind of my my blue chip guy uh, for a, a little more risk, a little more spicy. I see Igor Sokolov having go. a lot of uh, success in this league right away. Sure, a lot of people said, why are the Sens drafting an overager so early? This is a guy you probably could have got uh, with a late draft pick in last draft. Or just maybe he he slips and you can get him for a cheap price at a trade or a lower draft pick. I don't care about any of that garbage. Igor Sokolov has the heart of a lion. He's a good kid. He's got the size of a lion, a a lion that leads the pack. He's got a shot that is undeniable. He plays a physical game. I think he's a guy that's going to kickstart a lot of fun into that lineup. He seems like a fun guy when we chatted with him. Uh, His English is getting better and better every day. I really see him having success in this league right away. 
especially on the power play where he can oh, really yeah. use that shot. Igor Ovechkin, as I'm going to call him, until he proves me otherwise, because you look at his stats at every level he's played, he's just getting better and better as time goes on, and he's really figuring out his body. It's, remember, we had, um, what was the guy's name? Shaw, I remember that for sure. But uh, the Gerard. president in Cape Breton. Gerard, of course, how could I forget? He's He was an awesome interview too. If you want to learn more about the ins and outs of Cape Breton and really the pipeline coming there from Ottawa with Drake Batherson, Kevin Mandelize. Uh, of course, he touches on his son, Logan Shaw, as well. But when he talked about Igor just so glowingly and how he really changed his diet and his his will to want to get better. You see it with Drake Batherson on the ice, how everyone's calling him Steak Batherson because he just looks so much bigger. Well, guess who was working out with them every day this summer? Igor Sokolov. So really excited to see Igor come into the AHL and make his impact. Now let's get into more of the depth pieces on that team. You mentioned JC Bode. I just think he's like your perfect third line AHL center. And I have him playing with Jack Kopaka, who I know not much about. He came over in that three-way trade for Christian Yarosh and Jonathan Davidson, a pretty intriguing prospect because of course, concussions and injuries derailed his last season, but he's a guy who could be in this top six as well. Yeah, I think uh, a big difference here is uh, you've forgotten about my guy, Matthew Pekka. And I think Matthew Pekka is going to get a better opportunity than Davidson. He's another fringe NHL guy. And so I think I would probably put Pekka on this line and then move Davidson all the way down to the bottom, unfortunately. Really? So Pekka, you have playing the wing? Yep. Okay. All right. That's fair. I mean, there's so many moving parts here. And I have Mark Kastlich as the the fourth line center, but I could see that switching in a hurry as well. If he can show what he showed at the WHL level, I do like him and, and Parker Kelly as a duo. I think that they bring so much grit and so much like hard to not hard to play against, but they bring so much of that intensity is the word I'm looking for on every shift. I don't know much about Zach Magwood, the guy who came over in, in another kind of for a draft pick trade, or was that for, no, it was Clark Bishop that came over from Max Lejoie. I have him on the outside looking in, but all that is pretty interchangeable when you look at how this team could shape up. But I'm just excited that Belleville's getting back in the mix because with Ottawa, it's it's just not realistic to expect there to be lots of wins this year. But with the Belleville Senators, this to me is still a team that can compete for the top spot in this AHL's North division. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And are they as dominant as they were last season? Definitely not. They're not uh, as top heavy. Definitely. And so I think it's going to be a struggle and I think they're going to barely be in first place, but I think they can do it. When you look at the teams that they're playing up against Laval, the Marlies, the Heat, the Moose, all those teams really, their NHL, their parent clubs are in playoff contention. So they don't have a lot of high caliber prospects down in the minor. So I think the Senators will be able to take advantage of that. And yeah, like you said, every game should be a win for the Belleville Senators or at least striving for a win here. Final question uh, regarding the Belleville Senators. And right now, Logan Brown is on the taxi squad in Ottawa. Josh Norris on the roster. First line center in Ottawa. And those two would not need waivers to go down. Is it fair to think that nobody who is eligible to play in Belleville, we already saw the one move with the cord, but do you think it's more likely Logan Brown comes into this Belleville lineup versus staying on the taxi squad? Or is that practice time with the NHL club seen as just as much value as getting into these games where he's already shown he's too good for this league? I don't think it's the same value. I mean, with some players, maybe you can make it work, but a guy like Logan Brown, who's kind of 
on the end of his prospect rope here and kind of needs to make or break something this season. I think you got to get him in games somehow, whether it's in the American League or the NHL. I don't think the taxi squad's a good spot for him. But I think we might not see any movement until the Senators have decided what they're going to do with Derek Stepan. Now, obviously, they're trying to trade him, but at what value? Because if they do end up moving him, then you want to inject Logan Brown into that NHL roster ASAP. But if they don't end up moving him because they're trying to increase his value or they haven't found the right deal, or maybe, and I don't think this is going to happen, but maybe they think he's going to be a good fit and they're going to keep him, then I think you're going to see Logan Brown coming back down to the AHL to get him in games because you cannot have a guy that you've invested so much just practicing with the taxi squad. (laughs) He's got to be getting in games somehow because same with uh, Derek Stepan. Maybe you're at a point where you got to move on from Logan Brown, where it's mutually beneficial for both parties, because this guy, this guy's too talented. He has too much size, too much vision, too much talent to just waste away. Either he needs to make it here in Ottawa, or you got to give him the chance to make it somewhere else. And you got to get a good return uh, for him. I mean, hey, maybe the Logan Brown, if Logan Brown is dealt, that would be a way to recoup some of the assets lost in the step band trade if you don't get back value there. But I don't know. I'm still off the camp. I want to keep him. I think he can be an amazing centerman. You just got to piece him in at the right time and give him the right opportunities. Yeah, another guy we haven't mentioned is Joseph Labade, who's played a role in this team the last year or so, and he will get an opportunity there. But here's a list of the players who are no longer with the Belleville Senators from when they played their last game. No Jordan Suarez, no Rudolph Balsers, no Jordan Murray, no Michael Carcone, no Morgan Klimchuk, no Eric Brandstrom, no Max Lajoie, no Max Verono, no Darren Archibald, Cole Castles. Nick Paul's graduated and a whole lot more, but those are the main pieces just showing that to highlight the massive turnover that goes on year to year in the AHL. But with all that said, there is an opportunity here for the Belleville senators to really have that unfinished business taken care of well on their way to a division championship last year, a conference championship. It was them and Milwaukee, really the, the top, of the AHL. So really excited to see that that gets underway on Friday. We'll be back tomorrow and we might have a special guest and it might be later in the week, but we're working on it. And all I'll say as a hint is choo choo and keep your head up when he's out on the ice for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the locked on Senators podcast, your team every day.